0: I invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Jeremiah chapter number 8. The book of Jeremiah chapter number 8. And we want to focus our attention in this chapter that we read, particularly at verse number 14. Jeremiah 8 and verse number 14. Hear the word of the Lord. Why do we sit still? Assemble yourselves, and let us enter into the defense cities, and let us be silent there. For the Lord our God hath put us to silence, and given us water of gall to drink, because we have sinned against the Lord. Our Father in heaven, we are thankful for thy word. God, we are thankful for this opportunity to gather in this place. God, you have promised us in thy word that where two or three are gathered together in my name. There am I in the midst of them. God, you are even here with us in Lexington, walking up and down in the midst of thy church. And how, God, we pray that we would know something of thy presence here this morning. God, we pray that you would take the words of the prophet Jeremiah and drive them deep into our hearts. And might it place a concern in our hearts for the souls of the lost that are still undone and lost in their sin. Might it give us a greater appreciation of the work of grace that has been performed in our heart by the sovereign working of thy hand. And so God we pray that you would come and that you would meet and that God that you would give unction to the preaching of thy word. God I come before thee today as an empty vessel needing to be filled. I pray, fill me to the uttermost, O God, today. I pray that my teaching and my preaching would not be with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power that this church's faith would not stand in the wisdom of a man, but in the power of God. We pray that you continue to guide and lead this flock. And that God, in the weeks and months and days to come, that God, you would provide a pastor for this congregation. And thank God that you would go forward and be with them. And give wisdom in these days we ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I want to draw your attention to that question that is found in verse number 14. It says, why do we sit still? Why do we sit still? And today I want to bring before your hearts... And before your minds this very heart-wrenching question of Jeremiah, why do we sit still? And in order for you to understand the question, you need to understand a little of the man in his message. You need to understand that Jeremiah, as Dr. Moorhead said, it was Jeremiah's a lot "...to prophesy at a time when all things in Judah were rushing down to the final and mournful catastrophe, when political excitement was at its height, when the worst passion swayed the various parties... And the most fatal counsels prevailed. It was his to stand in the way over which his nation was rushing headlong to destruction. And to make a heroic effort to arrest it. To turn it back. And to fail and be compelled to step to one side. And to see his own people whom he loved with the tenderness of a woman. Plunge over the precipice into a wide weltering ruin. This is where we find Jeremiah. Time after time after time, Jeremiah would warn the people of coming judgment upon them. And time after time, they would not listen. Here is a man that is overwhelmed with sorrow and tears at the condition of his nation. And as it were in a state of bewilderment, He cries out the words of our text. Why do we sit still? Assemble yourselves. Let us enter into the defense cities. And let us be silent there. Better translated, let us perish there. Because the Lord our God is dooming us. Is the idea of the context here. Jeremiah is essentially saying this. I cannot take it anymore. If you do not heed the word of the Lord, just go into the city and die, he cries out. You must understand that Jeremiah is prophesying in his prophecy here of a coming destruction out of the north. You read that in Jeremiah chapter 1 about the boiling pot, the the vision that Jeremiah sees and about the vision of an army coming out of the north to destroy them for their iniquity and for their sin. And he he continues to remind Judah of their sin and their need to repent. Or this army is going to come out of the north and destroy them. And because they refuse to repent, Jeremiah says, Why do we just sit here? Let's just go into the city and let's die there. Let's get it over with. Here we find the purpose I want to drive home to your heart is this. Why do you sit still? A message from an overwhelmed prophet. The first thing we see in this message of the overwhelmed prophet is judgment is coming due to your sin. This is the drum that Jeremiah beats again and again and again. What was the nation's sin? I invite you to turn back with me to Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse number 16. In Jeremiah 1 and verse number 16, we find what the nation's sin was. Why was it that God was bringing judgment upon Judah? Well, you find the reason summed up in Jeremiah 1 and verse 16. Here he says, "...and I will utter my judgments against them, teaching, uh, touching all their wickedness, who have forsaken me, and have burned incense unto other gods, and worshipped the works of their own hands." It is these three topics that essentially summarize the sin of the nation. And what was the sin of the nation that was going to bring judgment? Judgment is coming due to your sin, Jeremiah was saying. And what was the first sin that they have committed? They have forsaken me. It says there in Jeremiah 1.16, who have forsaken me. And under that I want to now deal with the idea of man forsaking the Lord. Years earlier God spoke to Moses what would happen if Israel would forsake him. In Deuteronomy 28.20, In that great section about blessing and cursing, it says, The Lord shall send upon thee, cursing, vexation, and rebuke, and all that thou settest thine hand unto for to do, until thou be destroyed, and until thou perish quickly, because of the wickedness of thy doings, whereby thou hast forsaken me. So God said to Moses many years ago, Moses speaking to the nation of Israel, He said, if you continue in your cursing, vexation, and uh, your sin, God will send a cursing. God will send a vexation and rebuke. And He will cause you to perish quickly from off the land because you have forsaken Me. And the word to forsake here simply means to abandon It means to neglect. It means to apostatize. And this does not happen overnight. It is a process, and so it was with Israel. They didn't immediately apostatize and leave the Lord just overnight. It was a process of time that it took for this to happen. Judah is in Jeremiah's day soon to see the unfolding of what God said to Moses so many years ago. In Jeremiah 2.13 we read that Judah had forsaken the fountain of living waters for corrupted springs. They were leaving life for death. But not only do we find them forsaking the Lord, but we find that if they forsake the Lord, God would forsake them. The most terrible thing in the world is for a man to be forsaken of God. Judgment is coming, Jeremiah is saying, because of your sin you are forsaken me. And because you have forsaken me, God says, I will forsake you. Hear these terrifying words to that nation in Jeremiah 7 verse 29. For the Lord hath rejected and forsaken the generation of His wrath. Here are echoed the words of Azariah as he went out to meet Asa. He said, The Lord is with you while ye be with him. And if ye seek him, he will be found of you. But if ye forsake him, he will forsake you. What does that look like? Well, we find that in Romans chapter number 1. God gave them up, he gave them up, and he gave them over unto a reprobate mind. It means that you are cut off from all blessing, cut off from all mercy and love and compassion and hope in heaven. When a man forsakes God, God will forsake him. There comes a point of no return where God gives a person over to their sin, never to deal with their heart. I wonder today, maybe you're listening... Are you guilty of the very same sin today as a nation of Israel judgment is coming due to sin, and you have forsaken the Lord? Are you guilty of the same sin of forsaking Him? Have you abandoned the fountains of living water for corrupted springs? Are you on the dangerous slope of apostasy, just like Judah was, and it is certain that God will judge apostasy? Not only do we find in Jeremiah 1 that they had forsaken him, but we read secondly another sin that would bring judgment upon the nation. They had burned incense under other gods, or they offered sacrifice to other gods. It is only natural that if you forsake the Lord, you will begin to worship at another altar. Today, many want to add Jehovah God to the list of gods that they worship. They say, well, I'll take this God, I'll take this one, I'll take this one, and I'll take God too, I'll take Jehovah, and I want Jehovah to be the cherry on the top of my life. Well, that's not what God wants. He demands your life. He wants everything from you. It's giving all that you have and all that you are to all that He is. It is what God demands from people today. There are those that claim, just as they did in Jeremiah's day, to worship Jehovah, but they continue to worship all their other so-called gods. This was a nation's sin. They thought that as long as they simply pay lip service and sacrifice to God, He will answer despite their idolatry. This is where people find themselves today. Well I'll just pay lip service to God. You know I'll do all my own thing throughout the week and I'll pay lip service to God and I'll drop some change on the plate on Sunday and I'll give lip service to God and God will answer my request. Hear what God says about that in Jeremiah 7 and verse 9 and 10. He says, Will ye burn incense unto Baal and walk after other gods whom ye know not? and come and stand before me in this house which is called by my name and say we are delivered to do all these abominations. God is saying do you really think that you can come after you've worshipped other gods and served other gods and you can come and stand in the house of God and say well I'm delivered and I can do whatever I want. Judah was in direct violation here of the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And the Lord will bring judgment on those who do not worship Him exclusively. He is a jealous God. How may you have had added other gods to your worship? You say, well, Pastor, I don't have other gods. I worship the one true God. I can't tell you how many times... After preaching on Sunday, people are looking at their watch and they're wondering, when is the pastor going to get done? Because the New England Patriots are playing this afternoon and i got to get home. He better hurry up and finish that sermon. We're running a little bit too late. Why? Because they have another God. It is called an idol in their heart. That is what Ezekiel spoke about. Ezekiel chapter number 14 spoke about the dangers of idols in the heart. Oh, you might not have idols outwardly that you have carved with your own hands and you bow down and burn incense to. But there is a reality of idols in the heart, things that draw away our affection from the Lord. And it has been rightly said, an idol is anything that you think of or do more for or live for more than God. So is there something like that today? Is there some idol in the heart that needs to be removed and cast aside and repented of? Because judgment is coming due to that. Like Israel, do you give the passing glance to Jehovah and acknowledge Him, but continue on in idolatry? God is to be worshipped as a sole and only deity. There is none but Him. So we find Israel... Uh, excuse me, Judah, in Jeremiah chapter 1, had forsaken the Lord, they had worshipped of their gods, and now they worship the works of their own hands. This is intertwined with the second one. They not only worshipped and sacrificed to other gods, they fashioned their own gods. Could you imagine you being the creator of your own god? What could your own god do for you? These gods, we read in Isaiah, were made out of wood and stone, we read in Jeremiah 10 about one of their handmade gods. They went and cut a tree out of the woods, and they and they decked it beautifully, and they, and they uh, decorated it in a certain way, and they pinned it down to the ground, and they bowed down and worshipped this tree. This is a violation of the second commandment. Thou shalt not make unto thee a graven image. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God included in the second commandment is a promise that God will visit in judgment those who violate it. So have you any idols you have fashioned in with your own hands and worship? Do you have any idols there in your heart? Your idol, your idolatry could be a pleasure, a hobby, a recreation? God is a jealous God and he alone deserves all your affection and your praise. IT IS THESE THREE MAJOR SINS, FORSAKING GOD AND THEIR IDOLATRY, THAT GOD WOULD BRING JUDGMENT UPON. GOD FOR SO LONG DEALT WITH LONG SUFFERING TO Judah AND TO ISRAEL, BUT THEY CONTINUED IN REBELLION AGAINST HIM, AND NOW THE FLOODGATES OF HIS WRATH WERE GOING TO COME UPON THE NATION. Dr. Adrian Rogers was right when he said one of these days the dam of God's mercy will give way to His justice. And that is exactly what happened on that day. When Babylon came in like a mighty army and destroyed the cities and burned it down, the flood of God's justice came in. The dam of God's mercy gave way to His justice. How long will God bear with you or with even those that you know? Regarding their many sins, the wages of sin is death. Be sure your sin will find you out. How long will you outwardly wash yourself with a lie? Jeremiah says, and use much soap, but yet the stain of your iniquity is ever before the Lord. There are people who think that they can outwardly wash themselves and somehow make themselves right by the outward things that they do. But God says, even though you wash yourself with lie and you use much soap, The blot of your iniquity is ever before the Lord. You cannot wash it out by yourself. You need the blood of the Lamb. Today you may see yourself as innocent, and God's anger is just turned away from you. But God will enter into judgment with you because you said that you had not sinned. So judgment is coming because of your sin. But judgment is coming because you are unconcerned. Here Jeremiah says, Why are we sitting still? Judgment is coming because of the sin of the people, and judgment is coming because of their unconcern. We might as well just enter into the city and there die. Not only do you fail to acknowledge your sin and claim innocence, and you are also unconcerned regarding coming judgment. Despite Jeremiah's repeated warnings there was repeated rejection. The nation had entered into a state of apathy, a state of unbelief. And it was these that were the motivating factors of their unconcern, their apathy and their unbelief. How many people sit in pews in churches across America today in a state of apathy and unbelief and unconcern about the state of their own soul and the state of others around them? Jeremiah said this, "'Hear now this, O foolish people, "'without understanding, which have eyes, and see not, "'which have ears, and hear not. "'Fear ye not me, saith the Lord. "'Will ye not tremble at my presence?' "'He says, Here's a people unconcerned. "'They have eyes, but they do not see. "'They have ears, but they do not understand. "'They are a foolish people. "'And God says, Why do you not fear me? "'Will you not tremble at my very presence?' He said in Jeremiah 5 again, An astonishing thing and a horrible thing is committed in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests bear rule by their means, and my people love to have it so. They are blind and deaf to sin, and they loved it to be that way. And this is where the world finds themselves today. They are blind and deaf to sin, and they love it that way. They don't want to hear about their sin. The culture today, the world wants to turn a blind eye to the immorality around them, the cruelty around them, the true injustice that is around them. They want to give a deaf ear to the cries of the persecuted church. They want to give a deaf ear to the preaching of the gospel and the witnessing of the saints. Judgment is coming, Jeremiah is saying, but yet he is finding the people asleep. Essentially, what he is saying is he's lifting up his voice like a trumpet. And if I could use the words of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 5, he says, Awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. And this is what the world this is what our community needs to hear the judgment is coming because of their sin and that they are unconcerned in their sin and will jesus find them sleeping when he comes awake thou that sleepest it's time to arise from the dead and it is christ that will give you light what a terrible thing to be sleeping while judgment is coming to be there unconcerned, just like Noah's day. Noah preached about the coming rain and the coming judgment of God, and they carried on, they ate, drank, and were merry until judgment came and took them all away. This is what the Bible says it will be like at the second coming of Christ. They'll be eating, drinking, and being merry. Not a care in the world, but sudden judgment will come and take them all away. What a terrible thing to be sleeping while judgment is coming. You're sleeping while undone in your sin. You're sleeping unconcerned about your sin. And you're sleeping soon to be damned by your sin. Do not stiffen your neck and continually reject His word. He that being often reproved and hardened of His neck shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. It is a dangerous thing to continually reject and to put off and to stiffen one's neck against the Word of God because he says that God will suddenly destroy that person and there will be no remedy. God's deadline. So today, if you hear His voice, today if you are hearing the voice of God, And you're hearing Him speaking through His Word. And you know that judgment is coming because of sin. And you know that you are unconcerned about it. And God has made that clear. Do not harden your hearts as Israel did in the provocation. Do not become obstinate and stubborn. Let the Lord deal with your heart. If you will hear His voice, do not harden your heart. Consider your unconcern before it is everlasting too late. The last thing I would share with you is this. Not only judgment is coming because of sin. Judgment is coming and they're unconcerned. But judgment is coming and you still are not saved. Later in our passage Jeremiah says this in Jeremiah 8.20. The harvest is past then the summer is ended. And we are not saved. The interpretation of that is simply this. The seasons are passing Judah by, and yet they are not delivered because of their sin. Their constant provoking of God brought no deliverance from God. And maybe the seasons of life are closing in upon you. They're passing you by, and still you find yourself not saved. Despite of God's continued warnings and providences, you are not saved. God has spoken to you. You have heard the word of God. You have heard God's judgment that will come because of sin. And yet you still sit unconcerned. And you have heard the gospel time and time again. And still you are not saved. As Edwards, Jonathan Edwards, that great Puritan, he described you as being swung out over hell on a single strand of a spider's web. At any moment it could be singed and drop eternally into hell. Is that something you really want to do to play Russian roulette with your soul? But today, today there is extended to you mercy. There's something I want you to understand that even though Jeremiah time and time and time again pronounced judgment, time and time again, he extended mercy. He extended mercy. He said, if you would do this, God would do this for you. But yet they would not hear, they would not heed, they would not listen. "'Jeremiah extended mercy to them. "'God extended mercy to the nation, but they refused to hear. "'Today you might be like that one that Edward spoke about, "'swung out over hell on a spider's web, "'but to you there is mercy extended. "'To you today there is pardon. "'To you today is a day of salvation. "'Tomorrow is the devil's day. "'Today is God's day. "'Do not allow time to pass you by.'" You're only guaranteed now. You're not guaranteed in the next breath. You're guaranteed today. You're guaranteed this moment. Thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. You might be a person that's attended church all your life, and you might be wondering Am I truly converted? Don't let a day go by without knowing that. Do business with God today because you do not know what tomorrow holds. If you know judgment is coming upon your sin and you are concerned about it, look to the one who became sin for you. I POINT YOU TO THE ONE WHO HUNG ON YONDER CROSS WHEN HE BECAME SIN FOR US WHO KNEW NO SIN THAT WE MIGHT BECOME THE RIGHTEOUSNESS OF GOD IN HIM I POINT YOU TO THE ONE WHERE THE JUDGMENT THAT WAS DUE MINE IN YOUR SIN FELL UPON HIM THERE HE HUNG BETWEEN HEAVEN AND EARTH HE HUNG THERE UPON THE jagged WOOD FOR YOU AND FOR ME HIS ARMS OUTSTRETCHED SAYING I LOVE YOU THIS MUCH Nailed TO THE RAGGED TREE FOR YOU AND FOR ME And it was there that not only he paid for our sin debt, but the judgment that our sin deserved came like a mighty hurricane down upon him. And it sat upon him the judgment that our sin deserved came upon our Savior. The weight of it... Came upon him. He not only became our sin bearer, but he became our propitiation. He became our wrath deflector. He became the one that has deterred God's wrath. And my friend, today, if you would look to him, the one who became sin for you, the one who bore the judgment of your sin, he will not only forgive you of your sin, but he will deflect the wrath of God. He will in place within you the Holy Spirit, and he will walk. Wash your black heart and make it white as snow. And He will grant you a heart of flesh. And He will write you in the, name's, the Lamb's book of life and engrave you upon the very palms of His hands and one day take you to heaven to be with Him. What a glorious Savior we have this morning if you would but believe. Are you going to allow these seasons of life to pass you by and still say, I am not saved? What happened to those who sat still? Here Jeremiah says, why are we sitting still? What happened to those that sat still? What happened to those that remained in Jerusalem? Guess what happened to them all? They were all destroyed. Every single one of them. And if you continue to sit and do nothing as a regards your soul, everlasting destruction is sure to come. Just as it came to Judah, just as it came to Jerusalem, it will come to you one day if you sit and do nothing with your soul. Why are you sitting still? When there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun, when there is a Savior who has died upon the cross and paid your sin debt, when there is a free offer of the gospel extended to you today, why not come to Christ? He is mighty to save. There is no sinner so low that He cannot lift up out of the miry clay. There is no one so low that His long sovereign arm of grace cannot pick them up from the slough of despond and place them upon the solid rock. There is no sinner whose voice he will not hear if they cry out to him. It says, all that cometh to me I will by no means cast out. You can cry out to him today and ask him to forgive you of your sin. He will forgive you this day. Today you need to learn to heed the words of this overwhelmed prophet. Do not make the same mistake Israel made in not hearing the word of the Lord. I encourage you today to take your fingers out of your ears, to remove your hands from your eyes, to heed this announcement of judgment, to fly not to the city of Jerusalem, where you will there suffer and die, but to fly to the city of refuge, which is Jesus Christ. Israel here was trusting in their own outward externals. You read in a few chapters before they were talking about the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. And they were trusting in Jerusalem to deliver them. How sad it is today that people are trusting in the outward externals rather than the need of the circumcision of the heart. And Jeremiah would remind them time and time again about the need of their hearts being inwardly circumcised. So sitting still will only inevitably bring utter destruction. Today you are called to get up and follow Christ. Why are you sitting still? It's time to get up from your seat right now. It's time to get up and follow Christ. Why are you sitting still and standing all the day idle? If you know that judgment is coming because of your sin, if you know that you have been unconcerned, and you know that God will bring judgment to your sin, why not get up out of your seat and fly to Christ this moment? Run to Him. You are not called to sit. You are called to get up and run the race. Run with your eyes to the sky and a focus upon eternity. Hear Jeremiah... The broken hearted prophet said in chapter 9, Oh, that my head were waters and mine eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. He was a broken man over his people. I wonder today maybe you're saved and you know Christ is your Savior. Do you have the same broken heart that Jeremiah had for the people around him? You know, if Jeremiah was living today, people would say that he was an unsuccessful preacher. Never had any converts. No one ever listened to him. He was not a success. But can I tell you, he was a success in the eyes of the Lord. It did exactly what God called him to do. You might warn many people about the judgment to come, just like Noah. You might warn them that there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And they might not listen to you. You might feel like a failure. Can I remind you it's not your responsibility to save anyone. It's your responsibility to tell them the good news of the gospel. That there's a Savior that delivers from sin. And that if you would but place your faith in Him they could be redeemed. God's not going to reward you based upon the results. He's going to reward you based upon your faithfulness to Him. So I encourage you to be faithful. To warn people of the same things that Jeremiah did in his day. WHY ARE WE SITTING STILL? BETTER YET, WHY ARE YOU SITTING STILL? FLY TO CHRIST TODAY. LET'S PRAY. FATHER, WE THANK YOU FOR YOUR WORD. WE THANK YOU FOR THE TRUTHS OF THE HOLY SCRIPTURES. GOD, WE PRAY THAT YOU WOULD STAMP THESE THINGS UPON OUR HEART. STAMP THEM UPON OUR MIND. GOD, GIVE US A LOVE AND DESIRE FOR THE THINGS OF THY WORD. GOD, HOW I PRAY TODAY. Maybe there is someone sitting still. God, and they're undone in their sin, and they need a Savior. God, would you show them that there is judgment coming due to their sin. And judgment is coming because of their unconcern of their sin. And God, their judgment is coming, and they're still unsaved. Show them that they need a Savior today. God, maybe we know Christ this morning. And God, we know that our sins have been washed away in the blood of the Lamb. God, would you just give us the faithfulness and the tenacity that Jeremiah had to continue to warn others of future judgment, just as John the Baptist said, flee from the wrath to come. Oh God, that we might have that same message. That they can flee from the wrath to come and fly to the city of refuge, the Lord Jesus Christ. So God, we pray that you be with us until we meet again. Next week, for we ask it all in Christ Jesus' name, amen. Amen, we are dismissed.